Jeannie Flavelle's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Craig Ruffalo, Vice President of McKinney Flavelle. And today is Friday, September the 24th, 2021. And welcome to our Hot Commodity Podcast. Mike Coughlin, our fearless leader, is out of the office today. So I'll be taking on the role of your commentator. But I am joined here, as he always says, with an analyst of the stars, Mr. Jeffrey Rosinski. How are you, man? I'm doing great, Craig. Always great to be with you. Yeah. And uh, you, you know what yesterday was? Well, what was yesterday? Was it? First day of fall. It, oh was, it was the equinox. The equinox. And tomorrow is, is week four NCAA college football. Oh, so are man. you ready for that? You know, I am. It's, uh, you know, we're getting past the kind of the warm up games for uh, some of the big time schools, and they're now going to have to start playing some heavy competition. Do you have any uh, featured games or ones that you're looking forward to this, this weekend? You know, I think the big marquee game is always going to be the SEC. And uh, I don't remember who Georgia is playing this weekend, but that to me is going to be the team to watch as the potential uh, competitor against Alabama. Because right now, I'm not sure anybody can beat Alabama. <laughs> they are so good. Well, Florida, I think Florida showed that they can be beaten. It's just a matter of it's, it's going to take a team with a solid defense like Georgia, but probably a more potent offense to be able to put point, you know, points on the board. Yeah, but absolutely. Out your, out your way, I think it's uh, Stanford takes on UCLA, if I'm not mistaken. That's, That's right. the big featured game out in the West Coast this uh, this weekend. Yeah, and you know, I'm going to I'm gonna take Stanford um, in that one, and probably that will be everybody's choice to now take UCLA. <laughs> There you go. But uh, it's an exciting weekend. Well, it's going to be crisp, cool, like fall, autumn-like weather out here with the you know highs oh. in the low 70s and you know lows at night in the upper 40s. So it's going to be you know very fall-like and you know college football weather. That's exactly right. Well, speaking of kind of weather and ingredients and all kinds of things that might influence price, today we we thought we would hit upon for everybody a, a category that maybe isn't talked about within the McKinney Flavel organization as often as it should, but that's the dairy market. And I know it's something you follow very, very closely. And yeah, yeah, we've seen, you know, some, I'll call it volatility in general commodities and the feed for dairy cattle, not uh, withstanding, you know, you can see corn values, you see even wheat uh, becoming more of a feed component with quality issues. And you've seen, of course, the soybean meal market fall here in the last uh, few months. And so, you know, what is going on with the herds within the dairy industry? I know there's some reports that came out this week that kind of give some indications on forward look uh, to those markets. Yeah, well, Craig, uh, great lead in. So I would tell you as a backdrop to all of this, we're now in the time of the year, the second half of the year, we're past the springtime flush. And now we're getting into the months where you have the, the lowest amount of milk being produced per animal, you know, okay. milk, milk pounds per day per cow um, over the next two months in October, November. So that serves as the backdrop to all the news items that are coming out. And you're absolutely right. This was a, a very big data rich week of reports. It, it started earlier in the week with the milk production report. And then there was a, a Fonterra GDT auction event. And then, you know, uh, middle of the week, we had the cold storage report. So we had a, a lot of different moving parts uh, on, the, on the dairy market. And let's, let's jump right into that and take a look first at what's going on with, with the herd. 
Um, so we saw a pretty big drop, and I would say that the drop was actually bigger than anticipated. We, we fell by about 20,000 animals. So the culling that we had predicted or, or had forecasted a number of months ago looks like it's, it's underway. And I think that trend will likely continue you know, from now through the end of the year and may carry over into the first quarter of next year. So I think we're, we're going to continue to slide in terms of the total number of animals Year to date, we're still up, so we're still okay. in positive territory. But I only think it's going to take another, you know, one or two months before we kind of, you know, pull even with where we started the year at. And then, if that trend were to continue into the months of, of say, November and December and into January, we could actually fall into negative territory on a year-over-year comparison. So that's that's an important um, thing for I think most buyers out there to keep in mind is. What is the size of the total U.S. herd? Because that's going to uh, predict the amount of, of output or production that's that's going to be produced in the in the United States. Is that a normal thing for the uh, herd to be started to cull once you're past the, the uh, spring flush? Is there is there a normalcy of some kind of culling of the herds, or is this more to do with the fact that we had such high production and you know demand has been kind of hit and miss, particularly in fluid milk. And then of course, with the cost of feeding these animals going up uh, year over year with the higher grain costs, what, is this something that's normal or is this kind of an, Hey, we, we really need to be resetting the bar, if you will, for the herd. Yeah. Gr- great question. So I think it's a little bit of both. So I think it's, it's completely normal for this time of the year when you get into the second half of the year where you know your, your entire herd all the heifers in your herd are going to be less productive on a daily basis. You're going to take some of the older animals or the ones that are a little bit more marginal or right on the tail end of their useful life and probably retire those animals. So it's very normal, I think, for most dairy operations to really evaluate that cost-benefit analysis on whether it, it pays to continue to, to feed a particular cow and keep it in, into production in the herd in the second half of the year, as opposed to just retiring that animal. So I think that's completely normal. But beyond that, Craig, it is a function of some of the other things you talked about, which is what is the price of feed? You know, where is alfalfa prices? Where are some of the other me- you know, meal components to actually feed that animal and keep it in, in the productive herd? Okay. So, you know, there are some, and, and likewise, what is the price of milk? What is the revenue stream on, on terms of, you know, return you can expect from that animal uh, on that on that basis as well? Okay. So for everybody that just was listening in on this, and uh, it sounds like, you know, again, the, the key element here is Pay attention if we see any further culling is that we could go into potentially a lower herd number starting into the new year. And that could impact, of course, the total uh, amount of milk uh, and other products that could be produced going forward into calendar year 2022 and the flush. Which brings us to the next point you mentioned, which was this auction event that you you brought up with Fonterra. Explain to the the listeners here what the reasoning that this is such an important uh, element of discussion. Yeah, so it, it defines really the the global or the world market for a lot of these different dairy products, and people, traders, and brokers will will track that um, that performance of that on that marketplace to determine where is the where is the value, where are buyers willing to pay for those particular products, and the mindset previously going back a number of decades where the U.S. market was very protected, it was insular, uh, it was tariffed. And you know the dairy farmer was very intent on trying to keep foreign competition and imports from coming into the country, and then we went through a kind of an inversion where global or international prices actually went above where domestic prices were, and it was like sort of the smoke lifted, and all of a sudden a lot of the dairy co-ops realized that that their consumer, you know, their customer wasn't necessarily just just here in the United States. 
their customer could be located anywhere in the world. It could be in the Middle East. It could be over in the Far East and China, you know, Singapore, some of these other countries. And so that's where I think you've got to stay in tune with where those global markets are uh, for, for dairy, because that will in large part dictate directionally whether the prices is, is going to be rising, you know, going through a period of strength or if it's going to be sinking. And, you know, we saw the, you know, a GDT auction event this week. It's typically biweekly and it was the third um, event. So now over a month and a half. Um, three consecutive gains. It was a more modest gain of only up 1%, but those core commodities of skim milk powder and whole milk powder were the, uh, were the darlings of the auction. Whole milk powder in particular you know, rose 2.2%. So that was trading oh. north of uh, $3,700 a metric ton. And skim milk powder, not far behind it. That was up almost 1%, you know, up 0.9% to be precise, okay. at you know, just over $3,300 a metric ton. So that's another thing for you know, buyers to keep, keep in mind, especially those co-ops um, of, of you know, dairy producers on the West Coast that are prime, in prime position to actually export product into the overseas and far eastern market. When you talk about those prices uh, and seeing a third consecutive uh, bump up, if you will, in the value, is that on a delivered cost number that you're mentioning or is that FOB the dairy? That's FOB wherever that dairy is located. So so clearly like someone like Fonterra in the North and South Island of New Zealand has a competitive advantage geographically because they're already located in in close proximity to some of those markets over in the Far East in in China in particular, as opposed to if you're even a co-op here in the United States, if you're in the Midwest, forget about it because you've got to do the the intermodal and you've got to get your product to a a port like over in Long Beach or up in Seattle, Tacoma to export it into the Far East. But if you're already on the West Coast, you basically then just need to get your hands on an empty container and get it overseas. And that's and no I think easy that, task right now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that That is absolutely right. We, we've seen freight market um, rise and, and double, if not triple, uh, from where it was over a year ago. So yeah. you know, containers are in short supply, number one. And number two, the price of moving that uh, you know, used to be you know, whatever, 10, 15 cents a pound equivalent. And I think we've we've all seen those freight rates rise now order of magnitude 30 or 35 cents a pound. You've got to fig- figure into your, your fobbing costs. Sure. Well, obviously, I think we could probably spend a good lengthy time on overall supply chain uh, disruptions that we're starting to experience and even outside of the dairy industry. And you can talk about finished goods, whether it's your Amazon orders that you're waiting on to deliver at the home all the way to to rail movements of grains, to to truckloads of sugar. I mean, it's just becoming um, more and more of a, wow, I have got to get lead times out there. For the listeners out there, what is your opinion on 2022 on its outlook for inventory management on dairy products? Do you think that it's a time to start stocking up or is this something where, in your opinion, this will get worked out before we head into the, uh, the new year? You know, I, I think we're hearing about supply chain issues, not just in ingredients and different commodities, but we're hearing that in electronics and other home goods and furniture. I mean, you, you name the commodity and everyone is complaining about supply chain woes. So it, it seems like a longer systemic issue and problem, um, everything from driver availability from trucking here in the United States to availability of empty containers and then the the rates that people are charging for maritime freight. So I, I suspect this will become a, a, a more persistent theme no matter what you're buying as we move into 2022. And I think that that goes to you know the buyer doing their due diligence and evaluating their entire supply chain and trying to get as close to their endpoint of use as possible because the further you get away just implies more costs you're going to incur from a freight and logistics as well as you know lead time standpoint. I agree 100%. And speaking of storage and inventory, we had the last major 
uh, report that came out this week you mentioned was the cold storage report that indicates stocks of butter. What did the uh, report say and what was the net impact, if, uh, you, if anything, to the market? Yeah, so uh, kind of in keeping with the, what I uh, led off with saying, you know, that the buyers needed to keep in mind that the second half of the year is the uh, is the the ebb cycle where you go into the lowest amount of milk being produced by by the herd on a on a consistent daily basis from July uh, through the end of the year in December. Um, it's also the time of the year we start to draw down stocks of butter. So everyone was anticipating a drawdown. I think the drawdown was a little bit steeper than um, most had predicted. So we actually fell by about 30 million pounds of butter and cold storage, which um, was a lot. And uh, we're still at very good levels. We're at you know, 367 million pounds of butter and cold storage. So there's still ample supply out there. But you know, we will continue to see that number drop you know, persistently now over the next six months. We will draw it down as we get into the heavy baking season uh, that typically occurs between you know, Thanksgiving and the, and the holidays right through New Year's where people are doing a lot of at-home baking with, you know, with pies and cakes and cookies yeah, and whatnot sure. for, the, for the holidays. Um, oh, man, now you're making me hungry oh, for that stuff. And more interestingly, Craig, you know, at, although 367 is quite a bit of inventory, it's the first time in many months and probably well over two years where our, our inventory number of butter and cold storage actually fell behind where we were at this same point last year. And that's the, okay. the first time we've actually dipped into negative territory as a comparison, you know, comparing this, this most recent month's cold storage report with this same month last year. Okay, so that would be your first indicator from the buying community that demand pickup uh, has has commenced, uh, whether it's directly resultant in a little bit of opening up of the economy or just in general statement that people are actually drawn into inventories. Maybe they're just transferring it, whether they're consuming it right away or if they're in themselves looking at supply chain and saying, hey, look, we need to just take that out of the hands of outside inventory positioning and put it inside our own uh, four walls, if you will, as an end use. So irregardless, it would simply state that demand has picked up a little bit and we're not even into the high demand period. So uh, forewarned is yeah. is a good thing right now. So people out there, just pay attention to this uh, this movement on butter. And if we see another two or three consistent and consecutive months of drawdowns and particularly year over year uh, reduction, then that'll be a signal to price for sure for as you get into yeah. 2022. It's an encouraging sign that yeah. you know the, the economy is slowly reopening. I mean, kids are back in school, businesses are slowly reopening, restaurants are opening. We're we're still fighting COVID with the Delta variety, and you know we're clearly not out of the woods yet. Although the the they did approve the um, the the booster shot for people age sixty five and older. Um, as people get confidence, though, I think you will see more traveling, you know, picking up and people being willing to go out and eat, eat out in restaurants. And I think that's evidence with the with the drawdown we've seen in that in that stock number. Plus, we're also exporting a lot more butter into the uh, into the global markets than we have. So, well, that's a great recap, and I hope everybody out there appreciates the the uh, the vision that we're saying here. And and be mindful and be steadfast in your your beliefs on your risk management policies and make sure that you're in communications with your vendors uh, on an ongoing basis, not just when you feel it's time to book. Uh, I think that building those relationships is super important. And I think we'll wrap that up right there and allow for those that have further questions in these markets to certainly reach out to McKinney Flavel and, and to Jeffrey and, and ask, ask away. And as always, take a look at our IQ platform. You know, there are blog posts that we post on this market and others that uh, may not be the traditional markets that you think of when you think of McKinney Flavel. So please get onto that IQ platform. And lastly, 
you know, Jeffrey, next week, we're going to have another one of those wonderful webinars that we host. And this one's going to be on wheat. Our, our young Mr. Eric Thornton, our internal expert on the wheat and flour markets, is going to give everybody a, a good vision, no different than you just did here on dairy, on the wheat market. So I encourage everybody to register on uh, for that on the 29th of September, so right ahead of the, the turnover from month to month. So it'll be ahead of the WASD report for the, uh, the October report. So with that, uh, let's wrap this up and say to everybody, like Mike likes to say, live with an attitude of gratitude. Enjoy every minute you have with your families and friends. Go outside, do something exciting, and enjoy your weekend. And Jeffrey, thank you so much for your time today and appreciate it. And say hi to the family and, and you guys enjoy your weekend. Oh, Craig, thanks for that. And, and wishing everyone a very happy last full weekend of September. Yeah. All right, everybody. Take care. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favell's IQ Ingredient Intelligence platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit McKinney-Favell.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.